Welcome into episode 77 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today I am happy to be joined once again by Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how are you? Doing well, Jack. How are you? Don't lie to me. You're not doing well. No. Nothing is going well. That's, that's a habit. That's, that's, <laughs> out of, that's out of habit. So we are sitting up here at the Kentucky Sports Radio Bar and Grill offices where uh, we are recording this post-game edition of the Sources Say podcast following Kentucky's horrific, disappointing, sad, emotional 20-point home loss to Alabama, the biggest home loss of the John Calipari era, and I believe the biggest since 1988. Eight? 1988? I think Indiana beat them, I think it was 23, maybe, in 1988. Look at the post-game notes, but, yeah. Third, big, third biggest home loss in program history, yeah. Sean. Yeah, I didn't see that one coming. Uh, knew it was a good team. I mean, Alabama's a very good basketball team, um, but – Given what we had seen from Kentucky the last three games, now I did say that they would that there would definitely be some bumps along the way, the rest of the season. I mean, I didn't think there would be a twenty point loss so soon to how well they played at Florida and then the last couple of games. But Jack, I think what you saw was you two different generations of basketball there. I mean, you saw Alabama playing in two thousand twenty one. You saw Kentucky playing in the nineties. I mean, it's just a completely different style of play. Alabama getting to the middle of the floor, kicking out, shooting threes in transition, and Kentucky posting in transition. Just two completely different styles of basketball that Kentucky just was just couldn't keep up. And this uh, – and reminder, this comes after an entire offseason of John Calipari just swearing, just promising that he watched all summer long just how – how dynamic the offenses were in the NBA bubble and just seeing how innovative things were and how that he with, – with how talented this group is and, and that, that he, he could just see that innovation just just spilling out of his brains as, as he was watching it, going, wow, this is something I can work with with my team. I think we're going to just do something revolutionary here at Kentucky this season. Ain't nothing innovative or revolutionary about this Kentucky offense right now. It flat out stinks. Kentucky scores only 65 points, uh, shoots 34% on the game, 22% from three. They only make four. Um, turn the ball over 19 times, only seven assists, which thought we were past that point of single-digit single assist numbers and, and uh, just horrific passing and, and, and high turnover numbers. But apparently we're not past that point either. So – yeah, um, just a, an absolutely horrific um, adventure, if you, one could call it that. Yeah, and, and let's not pretend like this is an elite Alabama team on the defensive end. I mean, Auburn just put up 90 on them a few days ago. I think that's the more eye-opening stat, Jack, is when you look and you see Kentucky struggle to get to 65. I mean, it took a good shoot, free throw shooting night again. I think just under 80%, 79%. Uh, so Kentucky was good at the line, but still only 65 points. And like I said, it just goes back to – Kentucky is posting the basketball out of transition, and Alabama is shooting threes. I mean, it was modern basketball back to Kentucky's archaic, as we've seen it quoted five days ago by ESPN. I think that comment was spot on, Jack, given that what we saw tonight and what we've seen over the course of the season and years past, 
Kentucky's been getting left in the dust when it comes to style of play on the offensive end. And, I mean, look at what Kentucky tried to mismatch this with tonight. I mean, it was big lineups. Keon Brooks, Jacob Toppin, Olivier Sarr together, Isaiah Jackson in there, three bigs. It wasn't working. Alabama just kept shooting threes. And the most concerning thing about it, it's almost like they didn't even pay attention to the scouting report. There were guys, Those guys were wide open in the first half where they hit 10 threes. You had people helping off on pick and pops, getting out of position, uh, overhelping, helping off the corner, not able to guard the basketball. Uh, we talked about this team being in a possibility of being an elite defensive team, and they were trending that direction in Ken Palm. I think they were in mm -hmm. like number 16 or yeah. 17 entering the night. Uh, still has potential to be a good defensive team, but this we talked about early in the season how Richmond was a really bad matchup for Kentucky in game two. This was a really bad matchup for Kentucky. I don't know. It, just get a, against a team like Alabama who plays that style of play. Uh, another thing I'll say, too, Kentucky struggles to defend the three-point line, but how often do they have to do it in practice because there's nobody hitting threes on this team outside of Dante Allen. So how, how concerned are they about guarding the three in their own gym uh, Monday through Friday? Well, they – couldn't defend the three this game. They couldn't guard anybody off the dribble. Not a no. single person. They were driving and, to the rim at and at that's will. something that I think is going to continue. This I just I, this team's right now. It's missing an elite on ball defender. That I just I don't know that they have that right now out of the guys on this roster. Uh, Calipari also at the end of the game talking about you know he's going to play guys who play hard. I think that's why you saw Jacob Toppin continue to play minutes down the stretch. Jacob Toppin plays hard every single moment he's mm -hmm. on the floor. Uh, Lance Ware, no minutes tonight. Zero, and which I, that's shocking to me. It is, especially given that they uh, were kind of bullied. Alabama bullied them on the right. defensive end. They punked them. Well, they, they hit threes like crazy, and then on the other end, Kentucky could not get any rhythm offensively because they just were getting pushed off of every – Alabama established every spot on the floor tonight, offensively and defensively. You saw it. Post-entry passes could Ugh. not be made. Ugh. And it, it was a combination of poor passing, but it was also a combination that Kentucky could not hold their post. Yeah, I mean, they were getting it, out, out muscled and then two, every time. You're posting Olivier Saar 15 feet from the basket. What's he going to do with it when he, with his back to the basket in that situation? It, they, they couldn't establish anything. Uh, they lack right now, too, on the perimeter. They lack a guard that can just blow by somebody. Devin Askew is getting better, doing good things. But you also saw it tonight. He, he can't get by someone. And Alabama was physical in that, too. The, the game, uh, officials let them play on that end of the floor. Alabama was pushing them off out of the lane. Uh, Kentucky struggled to get into their offense. I mean, it's another one of those nights where you, you look and you're like, man, this, this team – Nothing comes easy for this team offensively. Florida was completely different because Florida pushed the pace, pushed the tempo, and allowed Kentucky to get out in transition and get some easy basket. Another thing that stands out to me tonight, how many times Kentucky dunked the ball? Did they? One dunk? One, one dunk. One dunk. After what, eight at Florida? Who, who was that dunk? Maybe Isaiah Jackson, if I'm not mistaken. Didn't he dunk one? Off a putback or something. There was one that he – the Duke can dunk from the free throw line in the, the, the Big Blue Madness dunk contest, but there was one that he had the perfect opportunity to go up and make a momentum-changing slam and ended up passing out of the shot. And I believe he – it was a turnover. I, I don't think that was his charge. No. But it, it was a turnover. He, he passed it into the corner and B.J. Boston couldn't catch it. 
Just, just oh gosh, just so many frustrating things. Um, I go back to Calipari's call-in show um, Monday evening. He somebody somebody asked him about Terrence Clark, and they said after UK's big three-game winning streak. Everything seemed to be working in unison. In unison, it kind of felt like this team was finally coming together as one cohesive unit. Great sign across the board. And I thought it was a very valid question. We talked about this on our last episode. Where does Terrence Clark fit into this situation? Previously, with when the the struggles weren't there over the last three games, and especially now today. I thought Cal's quote was pretty interesting and telling. He said, Terrence, I don't want you sitting over on the sideline as a cheerleader or as a coach. Don't be coaching these kids. I want you to be looking and and seeing where when you're finally back to health, when your ankle is healed, where you can help this team. Where where can you come in the game and be a difference maker? Not trying to do too much. Not trying to be back and reverting back to his early game. You know, trying to uh, be play hero ball nonstop, turning the ball over, be, trying to be ball. You know, dribbling the air out the basketball. None of that stuff. Where can you make an impact on this roster? And I thought if there's one positive to take away from this game, is that Terrence Clark's length and lateral quickness on the perimeter. It, it, he might be UK's only true potential high-level defender on this I, roster right I, now. I was about to say that, that I feel like that just looking at the, the makeup and how these guys are built, I think that there's a potential there for him to be an elite on-ball defender if he chooses to be that. And that's also think that's on just the, as big of a, of a factor, yeah. I also think on the offensive end, if he's healthy – Whenever and that's it's going to take some time to working back in. I mean, you're kind of see you saw some rust with Keon Brooks tonight that you didn't see at Florida. Um, but two, I thought it was interesting that Keon talked about. I think it was on BBN tonight that he forgot what it was like to be sore. Yeah. After playing, so yeah. So you got to get back in a rhythm of playing basketball again, and you know being sore and that recovery. Uh, but Terrence Clark, I think too, could relieve some pressure on getting by somebody. I think with his length and his skill set. I think that would be where he could contribute on the offensive end because, I mean, Kentucky right now has trouble. It's so easy to stay attached to Kentucky players on the offensive end of the floor right now. They're not getting any separation with their bounce. Uh, two, another thing I noticed tonight, too, they're, they weren't setting good screens at all. Any, there was nothing easy about Kentucky offensively tonight. Like, it was a mess. It was a train wreck from the beginning. You felt like they were having to play catch-up from the first – media timeout, and it just continued. Davion Mintz had his – by far, I thought, his worst night of the season yeah. tonight. I mean, just a lot of bad a lot of bad nights around for everybody collectively tonight. Uh, B.J. Boston, you're still seeing he just doesn't have the strength to finish some of those plays in traffic. He's trying to – to me, he has too much flash to his game yeah. and not enough just making a tough play. Like, he, he did a good job getting to the paint. Then he'd try to scoop something up instead of just going up and finishing a strong play. Uh, Isaiah Jackson, probably the one bright spot, right? I mean, 14 points, three of five shooting, eight of 10 from the free throw line, which that's a hell of a development there. Uh, six rebounds uh, and seven blocks. First double figure game of his career. And Kentucky. two steals. 23 minutes. Seven blocks in 23 minutes. Yeah. I mean, 
forget forget what happened in the game. Forget just how horrible of of a just all around performance that is. Isaiah Jackson is one of the most high potential players I think we've seen come through this Kentucky basketball program, especially on the defensive end. I mean, every single time he touches the floor, he does something that makes you go, "Whoa, he's going to be a he's going to be an a massive NBA player one yeah. day." I mean, he he just does things that 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 you can't teach at six foot ten, two hundred and twenty five pounds. With the the wingspan he has, the the timing, it just it just blows my mind what he can do. The thing the thing that stands out about him is when even a lot of these guys on this roster that when they're playing bad offensively, you can't find anything good about their game. Yeah, and that's like tonight. We're going to go across this roster, and you're going to look at this, and you're going to, it's hard to find something that they've done well. But on nights that Jackson's not good offensively. You can find two or three things that he does that impacts the game. Mm-hmm. It's the defensive end, or it's his rebounding, or something. Uh, tonight it was both. He found a way to get to the free throw line. He can he uh, chipped in there, eight of ten, like you said, which is a, a significant improvement. Uh, I think that I would love to see what sophomore Isaiah Jackson would look like. Just not sure if we're going to get to that point. We're still a long ways yeah. from getting there. Uh, two. He's a guy, Jack, that I think would be talked about a lot more along the lines of defensive player of the year in the SEC if Kentucky was playing better or if Kentucky can, can do something. I mean, that, how many games is this now? He had eight – was it eight blocks against Kansas, now seven mm-hmm. blocks this game? I mean, you're getting into kind of elite territory there when you're talking about shot block numbers. Well, Which, I think in, ter- in, in, in terms of block percentage, he is well up there with Anthony Davis and Nerlens Noel. Like he is in that same tier of pure shot blocker, but the, his only problem in recent weeks and, and I guess the whole season has been that he just can't stay on the floor long enough no. to to actually see seven block games. He actually did that tonight. Only three, only three fouls. Easily one of his best performances of, it, of, it of his career. It, that's that's the one bright spot that you can take out of this. But I just go back to what John Calipari has said multiple times. We've heard it going into this season. If you don't have a post presence, you're a fraud. Yeah. And Kentucky is clearly right now, Jack, and this is what it's making it so hard to watch tonight especially. They tried to force feed the post. Mm-hmm. They're trying to force it to Olivier Sar. I just don't know if that's who he is. Like, I just don't know if that can – they just – to me, they just don't really have it, – it, honestly, it seems like they're late in the game or a point in the second half when they were trying to dig in and make a run. They were trying to post Keon Brooks yeah. and get him into that face-up game, which honestly that may be that may end up being their best post option yeah. by the time we get down to mid-February or March. Uh, I just don't know if that fits Olivier Sars' game. Like it's just as far as physicality, Alabama was so physical with them. Like obviously that was in the scouting port. I think Nate Oates, I think they looked at film, and if you could just like just just rough it up a little bit. Kentucky would get out of rhythm offensively because they just don't run efficient offense. They just, I just still think that they're, I don't know. It's just so hard to watch, Jack. I just, I'm to the point that I'm puzzled why Kentucky is so far behind on the offensive end of the floor. And you've mentioned it. You know, Cal talked about it during the offseason, watching the NBA. Nothing has changed. So it's a, and it's, it's, and it's rewind, repeat. It's, it's the same thing. It's never going to change. Like, I'm convinced you're never going to see it change here. I remember three years ago, 
there was an offseason. I talked to somebody inside the basketball program who said, I'm telling you, this is the year. Cal is swearing by the – he's going back to the dribble drive. He's going four out, maybe even five out. We're going to see spacing unlike anything you've seen before. We have shot makers on this team. I'm telling you, this is going to be the year. And I remember going into that – I think it was two years ago. And I remember going into that year, I I was trying – you know, I was – talking I was saying I was repeating what the people that are at practice and watching it happen I was repeating what they were saying I was like I think this is the year that they're going to change it and it was the exact same thing and I remember I just got blasted with people oh you were the one going into this year saying that that things were going to change so and obviously it's the exact same thing this year with Cal being the one outspoken and saying things are going to change and and they just don't so it's almost mind-blowing to me that even people inside the program. Hell, Cal is the one going publicly and saying, this is the year that it's going to change. Watch, yeah. this is going to be the year, and it's and it's nothing. And, and I thought Cal's comments this, this evening were just kind of pretty, pretty weak. Yeah. Um, I think it was Kyle Tucker that asked, so you guys only took 14 threes uh, or 18 threes. You only made four of them. Um, it's very clear that, that Alabama came in with – that mindset of we're going to come in and jack up 100 threes and you're going to watch us make them. And Cal said something to the effect of, well, um, you know, what, what they said, you only took, we only took 18 threes, but how many did we, did we make? Four. Okay, so did you want us shooting 24 threes and making six of them? And it's like – I don't think that's what the question was. No. It's It's not about – just the the total number of threes. It's it's the fact that it's a style of play. Yeah, it's a style of play. They were going inside relentlessly. It didn't matter. I mean, they were they were hit with brick walls every single time they fed the post. There was nothing doing. No. It was they were they were shut down every single time they fed the post, and they just kept going after it. And they were trying to work inside out instead of trying to you know create you know Cal keeps talking about oh we were adding these wrinkles for Dante Allen and and we're you know we're we're working new plays in for Davion Mintz and and Dave and Dante Allen to to knock down these shots well where i mean Dante is working his ass off going you know running practically just circles over and over again trying to find open shots they're not working anything for him he's trying to work work shots for himself right now and Davion Mintz every single shot that he he takes is a contested shot with a hand in his face in the corner. Like, it, it, there's there's no rhyme or reason with trying to open up this offense. It's it's, it's, it's it, not. There's nothing. And and this is an offense that, you know, Cal, his, his time at Kentucky, when he has an elite guard, I'm talking an elite guard can just can break you down, get in the lane, get to the rim, or a, a back-to-the-basket big that can just dominate his position, or someone who is good coming off screens and making plays like Emmanuel Quickly last season – Tyler Hero a couple years before that. That's when this offense works. That's when they get a, they're efficient and they can grind you out. This is a team, though, that I just don't think right now that they can grind you out. They're not – and you have to be able – to win a championship, you have to be able to execute in the half court. And so many teams that have come through here at Kentucky, that has kind of been what's failed them yeah. when it got to a certain point is they just could not execute in the half court. Uh you got. I mean, you're talking like tonight, and this is no knock on Devin Askew. Devin Askew is going to be a very good player at Kentucky. He's a solid player. He's getting yeah. better. Yeah. But I'll say this: there was a point tonight that it stood out to me that this that, that this backcourt's lacking athleticism mm-hmm. right now. 
there was a play where he was in the middle of the floor and he had a chance to just blow by someone and go for a layup and transition or make a play, and he peeled out and waited and let it set up because he didn't have the, the burst to go do the things that De'Aaron Fox did, the John Walls, these elite backcourt guards, even like an Ashton Hagens or a Tyrese Maxey yeah. last year. That Kentucky just – I just feel like that they're missing a guy like that right now in the backcourt. That's not Mintz. That's not Askew. B.J. Boston hasn't shown that yet. I mean, Terrence Clark may be still holding out if he's that guy. Other than that, Jack, I mean, they're kind of – this is an offense that's going to have to execute, and they're not executing. And then tonight, they didn't execute the defensive game plan either. I mean, they didn't do anything well tonight, in my opinion, as a team. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Uh, there in the second half, Alabama hit 10 threes in the first half. In the second half, Kentucky could not guard the basketball. So, you had a trouble guarding the ball. You had a trouble guarding the three-point line. Uh, recipe for disaster. And lucky that Alabama didn't hang 100-plus on them, honestly. Mm. So, all right, let's um – Let's address the elephant in the room, the very heavy, um, emotional, sad elephant in the room that hit the Kentucky basketball program and just the UK UK athletics family as a whole. Um, late last night, um, both of us got texts uh, from different people that said that former UK player Ben Jordan had passed away, um, and we use almost one of those things like you hope that whoever is breaking that news or telling you isn't correct. And you're kind of just waiting impatiently for some lack of confirmation, somebody to refute the the report or something. And um, the hours kept dragging on and nobody would refute it. And we got to um, early this morning and UK finally confirmed the news. There was a report out of, um, out of, his hometown that 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 he was the first to report it and then UK not long after confirmed that uh, Ben Jordan had passed away and um, it was a very very emotional heartbreaking day Um, it just added a whole level of I I just wrote something on KSR after after hearing Cal's comments and some of the players um, you know imagine imagine this team waking up this morning saying we have a chance to go into Rupp Arena and after being doubted over and over again, um, you know, starting the season one and six, we have the opportunity to go into Rupp Arena and take sole position of the SEC and, you know, become that number one team in the conference, get to five and six on the year, just kind of keep building that momentum. There was that they woke up with excitement and anxiousness and – you know, those type of emotions going into a, ba- a game of this caliber, uh, they rolled over in their beds and looked at their phone and were met with instant just devastation. And th- it's one, you know, that's Keon Brooks, who was on the team last year. That's Dante Allen, who was on the team last year. And that's four, three or four walk-ons that were on the team last year. Three, I think, three walk-ons that were on the team last year. But – I thought Dante Allen said something very um, important after the game. He said that when we first woke up, it was just the five of us that knew Ben and played with him and worked with him in practice and and all that, um, that felt it. The other players didn't understand it. 
but when they when the newcomers that hadn't been that you know that that weren't on this team last year when they saw how crushed we were they were crushed with us so Sean I want to ask how much do you think that um that the weight of that topic and the news as a whole did that play into the um, the slow start, the um, at times lack of energy, the you know the, all of the things that you that one would expect when uh, you're dealing with tragedy of this of this nature? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't I don't want to use it as an excuse or anything right, for their play, right. but at the same time, I will say this that as I watched Keon tonight, and I felt like at times Keon forced a lot. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to give Keon Brooks a pass for tonight, given the fact that he was a teammate of Ben Jordan's last year. Dante Allen, uh, Zan Payne, Brennan Canada, and Riley Welch. Mm -hmm. Those were the five. And you just saw the impact this morning. Uh, Nate Sestina, you know, putting out uh, Ashton Hagens, Nick Richards. The list goes on and on, talking about the relationship and the friendship that they had with Ben Jordan. I mean, this – you saw it on John Calipari tonight. Thankfully, there at the end, he – Cal got to a point in his press conference where he just – he ran out of words to say. Yeah. And Eric and Eric Lindsay kind of – said, last one, let's yeah, get out of here. He was yeah. trying to get it. You could tell that Cal had no idea what to say. Uh, I've never been in a situation like those guys. I mean, I've never lost a teammate like that. I've – you know, or a kid that I've coached in an active setting like that. So I don't really know how those guys feel, but I can also tell you this, that last year I know for a fact that Dante Allen was very close with Ben Jordan because there were a couple times last year that I went out to dinner after games when we would finish our media work. This is Dante not playing last year, obviously. Uh, he was with Ben Jordan at dinner at, yeah. at a restaurant that we've been to. That's, that's someone that's really close, and there's, there's no way that it didn't affect these kids. And we're talking, Jack, uh, in a time right now in, in our lives where <coughs> there's so there's just so much sadness in the world right now. There's so much sadness in our everyday lives. Every single day that we wake up, you see something just awful and tragic. But I just can't imagine seeing that at 18, 19, 20 years old right now. I just yeah. can't. I just can't take myself back to that. And then getting up and playing a basketball game or getting up and trying to press on with classes or something like that, it's hard. Uh, and I'm, I'm talking just the mental health of these student athletes at UK and mental health of these guys on this team that when you look, and I mean, you, you're, here's a guy that was going through practices, the exact same thing that Dante Allen and Keon Brooks are doing right now just 10 months ago with them. And I just, it shouldn't be passed to the side. Like, I, that's why I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm giving these guys, I'm giving them a pass just because I just don't know what that's like to take the floor. And then as a head coach and then as a, a staff that you wake up, like we got the news last night, uh, you and I, and I texted you, and I was like, did you hear? And you said, and then we were told that it would break this morning, that somebody would break the story. Yeah. Uh, then the U.K. confirmed it. I mean, obviously it's affected the entire U.K. athletics community. You saw the baseball team. You saw the basketball team, the women's basketball team. I saw softball players tweeting about it. Uh, ben Jordan was a – he wasn't only a large human being. He was just just his personality and his impact and everything. Everyone that I've talked to loved Ben Jordan. Mm-hmm. And 
Jack, I mean, let, let's talk about how selfless he was last year. Yeah. Joining that basketball team. And Cal talked about the night. He, re, he kind of refused to go in at games when they yeah. wanted to put him in. He was just there to help. He was yeah. just living he out want, his dream. He, he, didn't, he didn't care if he played at all. He was there. They didn't have enough guys to practice. Think about – think of the, the significance of that. UK starts the season last year with Nick Richards and EJ Montgomery both at times went through their health struggles. Both of them um, had, had minor injuries. Nate Sestina dealt with his – Oh, wrist, I believe, is a wrist injury. Yeah. Um, he missed a bunch of time. Dante there, was out. Dante was obviously out. Um, Sam but Payne was still yeah, out. Zane, um, the, the whole team was just ravaged by injury injuries, both in, at at the top of the roster and at the bottom. And Cal went to Ben Jordan and said, "Look, we don't have enough practice bodies right now to scrimmage." I know you have a history playing. You're, you know, you you were a standout athlete in high school. We need some. We we need you to come in and provide help for this for 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 this team. And he came in without even thinking twice. Said, "Yep, I want to help." You know, I, he grew up a diehard UK fan, like m- most people in this state. Grew up a diehard UK fan. It was his lifelong dream to play for the University of Kentucky in some capacity. He was a standout high school basketball player, but also obviously a standout baseball player because he's, um, you know, ended, ended up being a, a high level pitcher pitcher for the UK baseball team. So this is a kid that grew up as a diehard Kentucky fan, just in general, flat out. He had the opportunity to come into this program and live out a lifelong dream and help a desperate John Calipari coach team fill practice bodies and just and 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 you know Cal specifically mentioned that he was crucial for Nick Richards development last year needing some type of physicality some other physical presence down low because he wasn't getting that in practice he was going up against Brennan Canada and you know I mean which you know fine fine practice players but he needed some. He needed somebody of of substance, uh, uh, you know, size wise to to go up against him, and and he stopped what he was doing and dropped his baseball career at least temporarily, focus on baseball for at least temporarily, and went out of his way to help that UK basketball program. And I think that's where the emotions came in for the coaching staff specifically and obviously the players that saw it and, and even the whole team as a, as a whole after seeing how devastated the, the players that knew him and played with him um, felt. Yeah, that, that's actually what I was about to say too is when you see your teammates, you know, struggling with something like that. I mean, it was all over Riley Welch's face tonight in the picture that UK posted when they were honoring Ben Jordan before the game. I mean, you could see it. I mean, those guys were emotional. Uh, I just can't imagine. Just uh, our thoughts and our prayers go out to, you know, Ben's family, the basketball program, especially the baseball program as well, and his close friends there, Jack, uh, in the state of Kentucky. I mean, that they lost – I don't think anyone will ever have anything bad to say about Ben Jordan. Everyone that I've talked Never. to had nothing but amazing things to say about Ben, and not only his impact like on sports, but just in, in life in general. Like, yeah, it was a guy that you always you always saw him smiling. I mean, every time mm-hmm. you'd see him, Ben had a smile on his face before games, uh, in pictures and stuff. And uh, it just it was a very very sad night last night when I found out 
And then waking up this morning knowing that that news was going to break at some point was just kind of, it's one of those things where you're, you're, you're trying to prepare for it to go public, but as soon as it goes public, it kind of becomes real. And then uh, UK sent out the, obviously, the press release from Nick Mangione and the, the statement from Cal and, and Mitch Barnhart. And uh, just this university, Jack, has just been through this athletics department, just been through so much in the last few months with John Schlarman, uh, Chris Oates, losing Ben Jordan. I'm just so tired of just seeing people hurt and just all mm-hmm. the sadness. It just, it just, it's just so hard. Uh, tell someone you love them every single day. Don't ever miss that opportunity because you, you just never know. You never know what's going to happen next. And I know we're sitting here on a basketball podcast, Jack, and you don't want to get too far off from it. But, I mean, that, this is our job. But there's so much more bigger than what happened tonight at Rupp Arena, and that's kind of where we'll I think we'll we'll end it. I it was it was a very um, you know the game the game went final, at, you know twenty point loss about as ugly of a performance as you can possibly imagine. UK just looked flat out horrible across the board. They just got beat in every facet of the game, and you know when when Kentucky takes a loss of that magnitude and they actually they they haven't in the Calipari era so we we really haven't gotten that opportunity in the past but when they take a loss that you know is going to frustrate the fan base more than anything and you know it's going to cause you you're it, it you know you you're you watch it unfold the game ends and you click on social media and you click to start writing an article and you just know that you're facing you're about to face the wrath of of a, a group of angry and, ju- and and deservedly so the, the UK fans deserve to be upset after a, a loss of that magnitude and I was almost ready to you know g- go into that Calipari press conference and start asking all the hard questions and getting you know get a, getting just as fired up as everybody and I was prepared to come on this podcast and just start throwing haymakers and saying this is you know something everything needs to change big picture you know, it, it's time, you know, you, you get so amped up in the moment and you, and you prepare for that. And I click on the zoom link to watch Calipari's press conference. And I sit back and I look up and the billboard, the, the jumbotron in the middle of hanging down from the middle of the Rupp arena ceiling, there was just a picture of Ben Jordan and his begin date and end date. Yeah. That's all they had on it. And I remember just taking a like a a step back and looking up and seeing that and going, none of this matters. Basketball right now doesn't matter. It's like there's there's so much more to life than any loss, and and it it, it was just a very sobering um, perspective needing moment that I had and it was just it was one of those things that man there's a lot of of crazy stuff happening right now and a lot of people going through a hell of a lot worse than I am and it was one of those things that you just look at yourself in the mirror and go man I am blessed as hell to be in the position that I'm in right now and you just start thinking about people other than yourself for a change and I think that was something it was a very sobering humbling moment that I think I needed um and I hope that um, I continue to feel that way. Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, we, we all know someone 
who are people, multiple people who are just just dealing with just tragic and just great sadness right now. That's the, that's the world right now with everything that we're going through with this pandemic and just, I mean, we've all had so much just taken away from us. I mean, we you can't just, I mean, think about it, Jack. The last 10 months, you've isolated people and you've just shown them nothing but just sadness. Yeah. Nothing but just it's a hopelessness. And that's why I'm just saying, you know, you, you got to check on the people that you love every single day because you just don't know, like, don't ever miss an opportunity to tell someone that you love them. Never. That's something that, you know, you and I, since we started doing this podcast together, we've always been close. But ever since we started doing Sources Stay Together, I think every single day that I wake up and I, and I live, me and you have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Whether it be an hour phone call or whether it be five text messages, we, yep. have, we say something. Yep. Don't ever, don't ever hesitate to tell someone that you love them and check in on someone. You just never know when it's going to be the last moment, Jack. You never know. And I just uh, – we had some happy times and stuff the last couple of weeks, but it just, just waking up to some awful news this morning and just uh, our prayers and thoughts go out, like I said, to Ben Jordan's family, the UK family, and just everyone that knew him. And I think, too, the, the people that didn't even know him, I think they felt the sadness yeah. with it. And it's just, uh, I don't know. It's it's just so it's so painful to even talk about. But like I said, prayers to his family and uh the basketball team as well as they navigate the next couple of days and then try to get their mind right before they take on Auburn on Saturday, which I'm sure we'll talk more about. Yeah, absolutely. And and we can end end our show there. But before we do that, um, speaking of showing appreciation um, and love for the you know people around you, this week um, was a, a pretty – significant one for us in this show um we finally broke through we've been talking about this on the podcast for for the last oh i don't know month now about you know how, you know how we're, we've been keeping a close eye on the the podcast rankings and and all that and um i posted late last night on twitter that we had finally broken through as the number one college basketball podcast in america yeah. and uh but at, at the time of me posting that we were number 25 in america in all basketball podcasts, so that's all NBA, college basketball, everything. Um, and, and since then, Sean, um, you sent me a, another update on that, and we are now up to number 19 in America among all basketball podcasts and remaining number one among college basketball podcasts. So, um, guys, I just – I can't even, like, express how grateful I am and, and humbled I am by – just that just constant support and you guys reaching out to us over and over and over again and letting us vent to you and celebrate with you in times of good and, and uh, mourn and feel bad about ourselves and throw ourselves pity parties whenever things go bad. It's a, it's a very humbling thing knowing that we have a, a, a fan base as, as, as much as they're growing and supportive, but the people that have been there from the start and have been there along the way that have really made this a, a thing that, that, that we, we look forward to every single day. Sean and I wake up and we go, when can we record our next show? How can we improve what we're doing? How can we make these fans enjoy what they're listening to just a little bit more? And um, that, is, that is something that I will forever be grateful for with each and every one of our listeners. I, just, I, I cannot express enough how important this is to us and how much it means to have that consistent growing support 
um, you know, we, we love doing this and we love that you love listening to us. Absolutely. I've, I've enjoyed the last month being on the show uh, and, and it's, it's getting to the point now where we're even more consistent with this. That was the thing that when I joined with you, I, I brought it up to you. I said, you know, let's try to do at least two episodes a week. And yeah. we would have done a pregame episode today. Yeah. But you and I got on the phone this afternoon or yesterday afternoon, and we yeah. decided that out of respect for Ben and his family, uh, you saw UK basketball Twitter account, no coverage for hours until the game time. And I think they tweeted twice during the game. Yeah. They tweeted halftime score to final score. So we decided that out of respect for Ben Jordan and, you know, honoring him that we weren't going to post anything or we weren't going to do any type of work like that. We were going to do the post-game show. Uh, but you're you're right. Just uh, climbing up to number 19, I just checked. We're still sitting at number 19. Uh, <laughs> it's it's cool. I'm on, I'm on this platform. And then Kentucky Daily trending there in the top 60 as well, like both yeah. two – Two platforms that I'm on talking about UK, UK hoops. It's uh, <laughs> it's definitely amazing. Uh, I enjoy the conversations, the DMs that I'm getting. Everyone saying, "Hey, I enjoyed what you all said on sources." Say, "Hey, I even enjoy when you say you don't agree with me." Yeah, because that's the beauty. That's of what this. it's about. And I'm I'm going to say things that are wrong, and I'm going to say things that are right, and that's just that's how it is. We all have opinions about this. We all break this down, and we, we just hope that we can break this thing down to you in a way that just make when they lose we hope we make you feel better to an extent but we'll also be real with you i think that's the thing about it is when they're bad we're going to say they're bad when they're good we're going to say they're good when we say that we're going to preach patience we will uh that's the beauty of this you i love this like i just when you see the numbers and you see the people that listen to the show and just where the show's going jack i mean it's it's only getting started yeah and it's this thing's just going to keep going it is. We uh, we are grateful for that number 19 spot, but that's 18 more spots that we can keep climbing up, and uh, we'll uh, we'll keep pushing up that direction, and, and hopefully you guys keep keep you know tell your friends, keep sharing our our you know podcasts, and, and putting it out on social media, and rating us, giving us five star reviews, giving us just reviews in general. Let us know what you think. Keep. Uh, you know, reaching out to us on social media and via email, you guys know that we appreciate that feedback, both good and bad. We can take constructive criticism as well. Uh, we've sure, certainly got our fair share of that too. So uh, it's it's just a lot of fun. I um, I'm I'm grateful for each and every one of our listeners and and hope that the, that number continues to grow and uh, that we keep having fun with this. And and I will say this about Kentucky basketball. I mean, the three and one in the SEC tonight was a total mess. Saturday could possibly be the same. I mentioned that earlier this week on here. I'm pretty sure that you know, I think that this team could revert at some point. There's still going to be growing pains. Uh, you got to find a way to win at Auburn Saturday. Uh, it's, you're going to see a similar style. You're going to see a ton of threes. Sharif Cooper's able to play. Completely changes the way you look at that game. I will be there. You won't be, but I'll, I'll be not. there at Auburn. It's a first road trip of the year without you. Uh, but I'll be there on the plane Saturday. I'll, uh, I guess we'll do a source to say with me on the road. I'll call in or something there. But Kentucky's got Auburn. They've got a road trip to Georgia, and they've got a home date with LSU. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, Jack, this team needs all three. Yes. They, they just went on a three-game winning streak. They lost Alabama. They need another three-game winning streak because then they go to Tuscaloosa two weeks from tonight. Need another run in them. They had a little bit of a run over the last month, and they're going to need another one right then. All right, we uh, we will get out of there on that. Sean, 
I appreciate you. Um, where can fans find your work? Uh, you can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. You can find me on Twitter at JackPilgrimKSR. Reach out to me via email at JPilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for another Jam Pack Source of Say podcast. We will see you next time.